everyone, this is Flip and Finance. I'm Sam Ismore, and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Hello, hello. Today is March 8th, 2023, and this week is about the third year third year anniversary of COVID. And knock on wood, I think we're done with it. So with that, we're covering some of the finance theme, themes that came and went uh, over that time period. But real quick, kick the disclosure music, Fabian. As always, none of this is investment advice. It does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer, Vallejo Financial Advisors, or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only. And we are lazy, so we have no duty to revise any of this information. With that out of the way, Fabian, we will start off with a little backslap for you because we've been getting some feedback from roughly about 10 people, actually, that have said that the sound quality and production is really good. And that's kind of all you. So I just want to <laughs> say you, kudos to two, you. Two, two things. One, did you say bag slap? Like, I'm going like, to say bag slap. What oh. Did I say bag? It sounded like bag slap. So I thought like, oh, like slap yeah. the bag, like a bag of wine. It's a little early for that, but yeah, yeah we can go with that. We can and do then, a bag slap if you want. <laughs> and then that that's a funny piece of advice because I, I thought I, I went way too overboard last week when we were doing Supercore with adding in the, the death metal. Got some good feedback. Okay. Got some thumbs up. Cool. So I think I think we're good. We, we can we can lean into that uh, a little bit. So, um, but circling back to like the what we're we're covering today. So I feel like a lot has changed since 2020, and the third year kind of anniversary of whenever you want to kind of start it. Sometime in March of 2020, COVID came around, and knock on wood, I think we're done with it. And with that, a lot of financial themes. Are, are done as well, kind of. So that's what I'm going to do is pour one out for the financial themes we've lost along the way. Uh, before I do that, anything on your mind? Um, do you remember like what you were doing when, yes. when they first announced that COVID yes. was happening and they were like locking us down? Well, not the lockdowns uh, per se, but I remember we were actually on a trip to Asheville, North Carolina to, to visit friends and I think it was exactly three years ago. I think it was like March 7th. We were out in downtown Asheville, three couples, three of the women were pregnant. And we were kind of all just looking around going, something is just odd. I don't think we should be out. And then, yeah, after that, we went home back to Indy because we heard they were going to shut down the highways. <laughs> what? Like they weren't even yeah. going to let people drive? Well, that was just like, I, the information was going crazy right. then. It was just, that it was a rumor that we heard was like, hey, you guys need to get back to our you know, little kitty cat because like <laughs> they might shut down the highways. You know, we're like, what? Um, so yeah, I remember that. That's wild. What about you? It, it, it kind of all blends together. So, I mean, we, we weren't traveling anywhere, so we didn't get any impact of like, oh my God, like you better get on a plane because you're not going to be able to get back home or anything like that. But I just remember kind of what sticks out the most is 
the the crazy things that people were doing like wiping down amazon packages yeah. and then you, yeah. you see all the pictures of the way that people would go to the grocery store with like the most outrageous homemade masks and whatnot so yeah that's that's what i mean it's you can kind of it's not funny because so many people lost their lives but you can kind of look back a little bit and be like man what what were we thinking well i'm like a dark humor person so i try and find the humor in in any uh, situation. Austin really loves that. You can ask her. <laughs> um, one thing that I find humor in is people always calling for recession calls. So we did have like a pretty deep and severe recession in the second quarter of 2020. But from there, there on out, we've kind of been growing gangbusters with the combination of monetary and fiscal policy. But I kind of just want to pour one out for all the recession calls that we continually get all the time. And a recession call is what you would call like a macroeconomic call. It's like a big call that would impact a lot of different things in your portfolio and the economy. And they're almost always dead wrong all the time. I wish there was like a accuracy barometer on everyone on TV. Like this person's <laughs> predictions are 15% right. Ooh, or like, I like that. Like a basketball statistics or something for yeah, athletes. It'd be great, but don't, they would never do it because they're always wrong, which is, which is fine. But like, we live in a very publicistic, uncertain world. And the people that are always talking on social media and TV are always like, it's going to happen. The world is ending next week. You need to buy butter and gold. So, <laughs> so pour one out for them. Maybe, you know, turn the TV off, stop listening to those people that are always calling with a high degree of certainty for recessions, crashes, the world's ending. And those of course, need to be held wood. responsible. Well, at least have the barometer. I think it's a great idea, yeah. but knock on wood. You know, as I'm making fun of those recession calls, I have no idea what will happen next week. So same goes for weather people. Weather people should also be held to that standard and have a little barometer there. Yeah. Good. That'd be, I would tune in more to the weather channel if it had that. Be like, and Kobe with the weather, he's shooting 75% this month down from 90% over the year. That'd be good. Uh, Another theme that we're pouring one out for is uh, speculating meme stocks and investing being fun and entertaining because I think it's dead. (laughs) No one has come up to me and asked me what I think about crypto or Bed Bath & Beyond or BlackBerry. And from like a professional investor standpoint, which is what I would consider myself, 2021 was just such an interesting time to be alive because we were still kind of like, secluded in a way you weren't getting out but when you did get out like i remember being at your house a couple times and people just talking about like top shot and all these like all these other things but like amc was going on it was just like this plethora of just parabolic wealth creation if you could time it correctly so the poster child was amc so if you invest in $10,000 in the stock at the beginning of 2020, 2021, keeping in mind that this company was going bankrupt, it was a movie theater that wasn't making any money because you couldn't go to the movies. It was going bankrupt. And then a matter of six months, it was up 2,720%. So your six wow. months, your $10,000 goes to 270. So you can kind of see why that gets people's attention. That doesn't really happen every day. So interesting slash boring question. Let's say somebody did that. 
what like what are the te- like do you know the tax impl- implications of something like that yeah so if you if you're selling it in 6 months you are short term capital gains so that is at your ordinary income tax rate but if you're selling it let's say you're making 100 grand and you made 270 uh, on that on that trade your total income is roughly 370 so your your effective tax rate is going to be in the high 20s so net, that means you would have roughly, you would have made net like 200000 on that. Do you yeah. think everybody paid taxes on that? You think I think a lot see of people, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people got out at the top, like mm-hmm. I'm quoting here. I think a lot of people kind of wrote it down a little bit in a way. I think some people got out, uh, but not everyone <laughs> I've talked to has gotten out. Well, so. pour, pour one out for them. <laughs> Yeah. And that's also like a little quick pro tip. If you're going to speculate, do it in your Roth IRA, you know, because you'll never pay tax on that. So if you're going to gamble and speculate a little bit, you're trying to hit some big, big things, do it in your Roth, never pay taxes. Interesting. Yeah. Um, That's why I got everyone's attention. You can make a lot of money really quickly if you timed it correctly. But 2020, I would call these kind of like Icarus stocks, Eventually, they kind of come back down to earth and they are down huge if you can look at the newsletter. So the market is is roughly, call it even, since 2021. And the meme stocks are down, call it like 70% from the top. That's a basket of them. Well, so you, like, you left out America's favorite, GameStop. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about GameStop. I didn't put that one in there. Huh. Wow. That was the Shame one where everybody... All the all the the crypto bros were were investing in that too. I have to double check GameStop. I kind of there were just so many. I kind of forget uh, which ones are on there. Yeah, I think I ended up buying Fizz, which was uh, Lacroix, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> not not too much, but there was just enough. word around the street that like, hey, this is the next one to pop. Yeah, kind of like the BlackBerry or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and now it's dead. You don't hear anybody doing that. <laughs> Um, we're going to pour one out for, for low interest rates and quantitative easing. Easing, So quantitative easing is when you, you keep interest rates. I say you, central banks. I wish I could keep interest rates low. Uh, central banks like the Federal Reserve and European Central Bank kept rates at zero. And in the ECB, European Central Bank's case, they were negative since 2014. So that coined the term ZERP, zero interest rate policy. And... That is completely over now. The ECB is raising rates. They're at roughly just under 3%. The Federal Reserve, our boy Jay Powell, is raising rates. They're at 45 to 4.75% right now. It's a range. So they're doing that to battle uh, inflation. So we can pull one out for inflation being boring because, uh, as Fabian is learning, there are a plethora of ways to measure inflation, and no one actually knows what it is. Uh, so during my entire life, and I believe your entire life, Fabian, inflation has been like somewhat boring and dull uh, for the most part. And the Fed has a 2% inflation target, which is totally made up, by the way. There's no research to say that 2% is good or bad. They just kind of picked it because they thought it sound, sounded good. And you can look in the show notes here, but effectively inflation bounces around that 2% target. It was never really too hot, never really too whole, too cold, except for the 2008 recession. 
it was it was right around there. And for the most part, the Fed's concern was actually trying to get growth higher and not worrying about inflation. So their kind of bogey for growth was always trying to get it over three uh, percent. And when I say growth, I'm talking about real gross domestic products or real GDP above three percent. That factors in inflation. And you can see since 2008, we just could never get above 3% uh, at all. So now it's kind of flipped. Now we have uh, GDP growth that's uh, pretty good, but inflation is just way too high. So it's kind of interesting how things have, have flipped on there. And you work from home now, so this might not apply to you, but you can see that I'm in the office right now. It's gorgeous. It's in Caramel. Uh, where where everything is perfect, but pouring out, <laughs> pouring Except out. inflation. I don't really think inflation affects caramel too much. Uh, <laughs> um, but pouring out for office space. So pre-COVID, office occupancy was roughly around 80%. So even three years later, we're barely above 50% in office occupancy. And what's really interesting, I didn't include it in, in this show notes because I just saw it yesterday, was it really depends on your office occupancy, really depends on the type of, of office you have. So if you have like a, a single A plus office, so I think that would be the one I'm in, occupancy is definitely higher. But if you have like a B, it's it's lower. You're like in the 40s. So like people are coming back to work, but only if it's nice. <laughs> in <laughs> so a way. It, so if it looks like a slum village, you're not you're not like headed back to work. Well, you know, not to knock any previous employers, but a lot of the ones I used to work for were soulless corporate banks that like didn't really care about the office environment, or you have like, you know, the carpet that hasn't been you know, touch no, no windows. Like, yeah, no windows. There's like the carpet looks musty. You're like, is this carpet older than me? Like, I don't know. I feel like that's a low bar. So um, I, I'm interested just because you mentioned I work from home. It gets very lonely. I, I, I do miss interaction with, with people being in an office. And I've, been, I've been home since 2019. I'm curious if there's opportunity in co-working, if either like to see if the prices on co-working have, have raised because then there's more need because most people aren't kind of going back to offices or if they're kind of struggling too. And if they want to stay alive, they're like lowering their prices. Um, so I don't have any like actual data on that. I just have analogies. For example, I was in the industrious office here in Carmel three weeks ago. And it looked really busy. And the person I was talking with was saying that rents were actually surprisingly high when they went and looked at other office space. So my guess is that the flexible co-working spaces are probably doing well because of people like you and people that don't need an office five days a week, but maybe want it three days a week and just want the flexibility. So I would think that the larger office employers are probably struggling a little bit, but the smaller, more flexible ones are probably do, doing well. That's off the top of my head on there. The next thing we're pouring uh, out for is the American dream. Uh, so I think you're living the American dream, Fabian. You don't have a white picket fence, but you got a big backyard. You know, you got one kid, maybe two kids in the future. You don't have a dog, but you got some kittens. It's a pretty good American dream. It's I the Mexican-American dream. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's right. But I think more and more people are, are starting to struggle with that American dream. I think both of us are in a, in a fortunate spot. We bought our homes before interest rates rose, before 
Um, I mean, when did you buy your home? 2014. 2014. So I bought mine in 2021, just kind of like before it really got insane. But the combination of higher home prices and increasing interest rates is really knocking down the affordability of, of homes. So this is from Redfin. One in five homes for sale in 2022 was affordable. So it's only 20%. And that's based on the median income. So it's just, it's getting harder and harder for people to continue to afford the American dream, given the, circum, the uh, current circumstances. So sad. Speaking of sad, uh, pour one out for crypto being a store of value. So a store of value, in my opinion, is just meaning that the value won't be lower in the future. So if I give you a dollar or a $20 bill, you have a high degree of confidence that that $20 will be worth $20 in the future. And one of the major arguments for having money in crypto, this is my interpretation. You know, I try to read as much crypto stuff as possible. But the argument was that crypto is a store of value. You're not going to lose your money. Like one Bitcoin is still worth one Bitcoin. In a way, it is. But Bitcoin is down 66% from its all-time high. Um, I feel like that's not really a store of value. If I gave you uh, a dollar and it was worth 60 cents in a matter of six months, I think you'd be a little annoyed. Um, I'd be a little upset. Yeah. So like for that one... I never really bought into the store value argument and it just seems like I think that one's debunked now. I could be wrong. So, do, I mean, do you, do you see it coming back to where, to the highs that it was at? Uh, I don't really have a strong opinion on the price of Bitcoin just because you can't. So I've been like trained in CFA. Like I think of valuations along with, with metrics, revenues, all, all these different things, PE, cash flows. Bitcoin is interesting from a price standpoint because like you can just make up whatever you want. Mm. You know, um, like, do I think it could go higher? Definitely. Do I think it could go lower? Yeah. Like, I just don't have a strong opinion on like the price of Bitcoin because yeah. like there's what, 21 million or whatever there ever will be. What's an appropriate price for it? I don't know. Fair enough. Very, I bet, it'll, uh, I bet it'll move around a lot. Very political <laughs> answer. I like it. Well, I mean, it's, you know. How do you well, say know. nothing by saying a lot of different things? <laughs> Did it sound good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. We, we know your feelings on crypto. It's Samoya Rodriguez, 2040. That's right. <laughs> uh, the last thing we're going to pour uh, one out for is SPACs. So SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. So stick with me a little bit. You can cue the music, but uh, it is formed through an IPO and the, the basis is to merge with another company. So back in 2020, 2021, there were a lot of private companies that didn't want to go through the angst of going through an IPO. It's a lot of work, a lot of regula- regulations, high costs. It's, it's a little annoying. So these SPACs are also called blank check companies because they're like, hey, we're going to raise this raise this money without much information and we're going to go buy a private company and bring it public really quickly that way uh we can get it to the market more people can buy it so it's kind of a blank check they don't really know what company they're going to buy they're just like we're looking for xyz company that does this can give you, us some money can you give me an example of something like this that happened yeah yeah like virgin galactic was a smack uh in that case so 
SPAC money got raised. They're like, hey, we're going to buy a high growth company. We're going to bring it public. They went and bought a merge with Merging Virgin Galactic and the stock kind of went parabolic for a little bit. And the big difference, which is like a quirk in the securities law, is when you're IPOing, you can't give forward guidance. So you, so you can't say in five years, I think we'll have revenues of, of 50 billion. You can't say that. But when you merge, you can. So it's kind of funny if you go back and look at the Virgin Galactic uh, estimates, and I don't have them remember off the top of my head, I just glanced at them. They're totally off base. You know, they're like, we're going to have this many, this much revenue, this many customers. This is going to go gangbusters. It's going to be great. They're nowhere close to that. Um, so it's kind of like this double edged sword of like, you can give forward and guidance, but like, is that worth anything? I don't know. This um, seems like it should be illegal. It reminds me of like, you know, how some celebrities are now getting in trouble for pushing, uh, like people buying crypto.com or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the Kim like, Kardashian. Yeah. Like this seems like people are fraudulently going into this, you know, to, to raise money and th- knowing that maybe, you know, nothing's going to come about it. Right. Yeah. That's just the, um, the, the way that you explained it. That's kind of the feeling that I'm getting from it. It's definitely speculative because you're, you're giving them a blank check to go buy a company that you don't really know about. But from like a regulatory standpoint, that's fine. The the issue with like Kim Kardashian and other ones is they never disclosed that like it was an advertisement. Like there were a couple rules that they kind of skirted. Hmm. Maybe they didn't know any better. But I remember seeing that the Kim Kardashian thing and going like, oh, she hasn't disclosed that this is an ad or anything like that. I was like, I think that she might get in trouble for that. Like you can't just say go to crypto whatever.com without saying you got paid by them. Right. You know, and she did get in trouble. I think she'll be fine though. Yeah. Maybe. She's a billionaire. Yeah, it's fine. And maybe she needs some better financial advice, Kim, if you're listening. Yeah. Reach out to her. Yeah. Yeah. I'll DM her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big thing is SPACs were really popular in 2020, 2021. And then as the performance kind of rolled over, same thing with cryptos, same thing here, performance rolled over. Uh, the popularity has like started to wane. We're not really getting as many anymore. So interesting. So as like an S and P 500 kind of guy, you gotta be, it's a good kind of guy. You gotta be looking at this and be like, told you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like why, why do all this crap when I can just buy S and P 500 and kind of chug along quick trivia question, Fabian, do you know how many stocks are in S and P 500? Yeah. Like 503. Nice. You can stay. Yes. <laughs> I'm firing on all cylinders today, guys. <laughs> and I have no, I, I don't have the notes in front of me. I didn't know this was coming. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so that's what I've got here today. Do you have any burning questions on your mind? Uh, I, I don't. I sent you that and we'll probably talk about this maybe next week. But And, and you mentioned it a little bit, but I, I sent you the picture from the article uh, of Jay Powell, your, your man crush, just saying that rates were likely going to be raised more aggressively and more frequently, right? Is that Sure. I haven't, so I'm starting to write that article. It's a great question. I just like the picture you sent me. I just want to get whoever's for, uh, taking pictures of Jay Powell. Cause he looks great. Like he's like, I always get like really good angles of him and he always looks very serious. And, uh, one is Taylor as well. So oh, was was he a judge? 
at some point? No, he, no, he was a private equity guy. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, we'll cover that next week, though. Well, uh, everyone, if you could uh, rate the podcast, subscribe, share, greatly appreciate it. And feedback is always uh, helpful. Kind of got one great comment this week, so makes it makes this whole thing worthwhile. So appreciate it. And with that, thanks for listening. Bye.